T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Diving deep into the Red Sox, it's Red Sox Review. Here's Brian Barrett on WEEI. This one four to nothing. And if you told me before the day, yeah, the Red Sox are going to beat the Rays in a bullpen game. All right, yeah, you could have convinced me of that, but not in this fashion. Four nothing. The Rays couldn't generate one run in the game, and it's a credit to Cutter Crawford and Austin Davis, and of course John Schreiber at the back end. But I did not see this coming whatsoever. I thought this was going to be one of those games where it's eight six, eight seven, nine six, one of those wins for the Red Sox, and. I thought that it would have to be because of the lineup, but today it was all about the pitching and Cutter Crawford in particular. He was absolutely tremendous today. This is, And I know he had the outstanding performance against Seattle a couple of weeks ago, but I felt like today, based on the circumstances of the game, important game in the division, like that game out west, I, I don't want to say any game's a throwaway, but this game was way more important. We can all agree on that. This is a very important game for the Red Sox, especially considering sort of how this series sets up where you got your best pitcher going tomorrow and Nick Pavetta. This is an important game for the Sox because you feel really good. And look, Jeffrey Springs has been good for the Rays this season, really good in fact. But you feel really good when you have Nick Pavetta on the mound because you pretty much win (laughs) recently every time that guy pitches. When you needed a big win last Wednesday against Toronto after a difficult couple of days there. It's Nick Pavetta that stops it. Nick Pavetta stops the bleeding for this team. So you got to feel really good about where this team's at. And a lot of that has to do with the performance of Cutter Crawford. He was absolutely outstanding today. After just getting the call, you heard him. He just got the call a couple of days ago, or last night, I should say. They fly him back in because the team was in New York. I believe he said Rochester. They get back here. He doesn't even know if he's got his truck or not. He's Obviously, a lot's going to have to do with some of the injuries with this team, in particular, the injury to Michael Walker. But for a guy stepping in the way that he stepped in today, that was absolutely massive for the Red Sox. And by the way, here's what Cutter Crawford had to say on the Red Sox postgame show presented by Nissan. There was no escaping summer savings at Nissan Summer Event. Shot NissanUSA.com. You know, to be a consistent major league pitcher and stick them around here for the long haul, you think that that's the most important thing, just more consistently throwing strikes? Absolutely. I mean, to be a pitcher, you got to fill the zone up, and uh, especially at this level, you know, guys aren't going to swing out of the zone. So just trying to attack the zone, put hitters in two-strike counts, and, uh, you know, just go right at them. That was Sean McDonough, of course, earlier today just after the game with Cutter Crawford. So if you want to weigh in and Cutter Crawford start what this win means for the Red Sox and how you feel about this now 16-game gauntlet. They took care of game one. They win this one 4 to nothing over the Tampa Bay Rays. So if you want to weigh in on that, the big win today all on the table at 617-779-7937. With you up until 6 o'clock. Also, of course, the big news today, and now it's going to happen because Cutter Crawford just pitched today five innings, or five and a third, I should say. It should have been five and two-thirds if it wasn't for Vasquez behind the plate, not being able to handle that third strike. He got a strikeout, and he still could have. It could have been five and two-thirds instead of a five and a third. You get the point. They won the game. I'm not going to complain too much about Vasquez in that particular scenario. But the fact that Cutter Crawford gave you five and a third today means that Unless something happens with Waka from a health perspective that he heals up really quickly, he's dealing with an arm situation, a tired arm. I can't imagine, I can't envision he's going to make that start on Wednesday. And the fact that Alex Cora went out of his way today to reference the fact that Brian Bayo was a possibility today, 
I don't think he says that unless Brian Bayo's pitching because he knows sort of the excitement level that that's going to cause for the fan base to hear Brian Bayo's name, the number one pitching prospect in your organization. So the length of Crawford today and the length of the outing in particular, five and a third, tells you, okay, we as Red Sox fans are going to get what we want to see on Wednesday night, which is a debut from Brian Bayo. Obviously, Winkowski has been really good for this team. And Winkowski, we were chatting before the game today with Chris Hatfield from SoxProspects.com. If you look at it, Brian Bayo has actually had more innings at the AAA level than Winkowski has. So the Red Sox have been quick to bring these guys up, considering the fact that there needs to be urgency with this team. If Walk is out and if Hill's out and Evaldi's still not back and you're still waiting for Chris Sale, you got to go with your best guys. And if that means you got to go with a 23-year-old best pitching prospect in your organization, bring him up now and get him ready for Wednesday night. I cannot wait. But getting back to Crawford, what impressed me today is what Sean asked him about. It was throwing strikes. And that's something that Cutter Crawford has really struggled with in his short major league career. He wasn't peppering the strike zone enough. And today had confidence in his stuff. And you saw he made a couple adjustments. Joe asked him after the game what pitch was working the best for him. And he said his fastball wasn't playing competitively enough in the zone. So up in the zone, rather. So instead of keeping going back to that pitch, he used his cutter more, utilized his cutter more in today's game. So it's an adjustment he made within the start, instead of being stubborn and continuing to try to throw that fastball from the zone, it wasn't going to work. He was going to get burned because it wasn't getting up there. So he made the adjustment to throw the cutter more. But in particular to me, the thing that Sean asked him about, throwing strikes, that's a huge thing. I know that sounds like, well, no kidding, Brian. He threw strikes. He was better. But he had a real issue getting in front of hitters. And when you can't get in front of hitters, it's very difficult to put them away, especially major league hitters. Like Crawford has good stuff. He doesn't have outstanding level stuff. He doesn't have Chris Sale, Tanner Houck level stuff. So you've got to work in front of hitters. And even great pitchers struggle when they get behind hitters. And especially a guy that's just getting used to pitching at the major league level, he was always falling behind in counts. And if you look at it today, 13 first pitch strikes, 13 out of 20, that's 65%. Massive. You look at him coming into today, his previous time this year with the Sox, He was throwing first pitch strikes just 49.5% of the time. Think about that. Less than 50% he was throwing first pitch strikes. 49.5% compared to today, a massive jump to 65%. And that allows you to throw all the pitches you want to throw. And also the big thing is hitters cannot set you up that way. They can't get ready for just one pitch when you're in a situation, when you're in the leverage situation where you're in control of the at-bat. So another thing just in terms of the command One walk today out of 20 batters he faced, that's 5%. You look at him on the season, he was at 12.9% in terms of his walk rate, which is absolutely atrocious in terms of a walk rate. That's walking way too many guys, right? So the fact that he was able to find a way today to control the strike zone a little bit more, walk less guys, it's massive because that was his biggest problem last time out. I mean, if you look at it, that 12.9% walk rate for Crawford, That ranked 467th out of the 528 pitchers that have thrown at least 10 innings this year. So, I mean, not nearly good enough. And today, he walks one guy. He was absolutely brilliant in this game today. And the stuff played better than it ordinarily does. And I would contend that part of that is because he was in control of the at-bats. He was throwing strikes. You look at the strikeouts today, eight of them. So he faced 20 batters. That's a 40% strikeout rate. That is elite-level stuff. I mean, you think about it. And look, I get it. It's one start. But if you just want to look at it in terms of across the sport, McClanahan for the Rays, he's got the highest strikeout rate of any qualified starter. He's just north of 35%. And Cutter Crawford was at 40% today. That just tells you, I'm not saying he's ever going to be that good. I'm not. I'm just pointing out the fact that that's how good he was today. Prior to today, he had a 25% strikeout rate, which is pretty good, especially considering he's always fallen behind guys. But that 40%, obviously a massive leap. Opponents were two for 19 today against Crawford. That's a 105 opponent's batting average. On the season, he's at 272. And then the other thing is this, because his command was better and he was putting the ball where he wanted it to go, he was giving out way less loud contact, which has been an issue for him this season. So today he gave up just two hard hit balls. That's an 18.2% hard hit rate. 18.2%. That is phenomenal stuff from a numbers perspective. 
If you look at it on the season, the guy that has the lowest hard hit rate of any starter, it's Alec Manoa. He's right around 25%. And today, Cutter Crawford's at 18.2%. And then you look at him on the season, 43.9%. Today, he's at 18.2%. So you wonder, he's still a relatively young guy at the age of 26. And we all know that he really struggled initially at the beginning of the season. But is there a way that Cutter Crawford can now be part of the solution with this team? Because the whole idea of Cutter Crawford before the season, remember, he had a really good spring. And people were really high on him in the spring. And then he started off the season. He had that one really nice outing, the third game of the season, Sunday night baseball against the Yankees. And you felt like, all right, maybe you have something here with Cutter Crawford. And then it eh, wasn't really the same guy anymore. Just didn't have it. A lot of pitches in the strike zone when he was missing his spots, were getting hit out of the ballpark. A lot of loud contact, as I referenced that hard hit rate. And he was putting way too many guys on base. So it was a bad combination of putting guys on base and giving up loud contact, which you're never going to win that way. You're never going to be successful that way. And today, he looked like a totally different pitcher. Without question, this is the best I've seen him look. And that counts that Seattle game. Because even if you go back to that Seattle game, he walked four guys in that one. And that's not to say that the Rays have a great offense, but Seattle's offense is pitiful. That team is not very good right now. And Crawford was able to have success against that team. But to me... In a big-time spot today, that was a very important outing for him. The other one was Austin Davis at the beginning of the game, what he gave you as sort of the opener. And he's been really good in terms of the short spots. It's just when they ask him to do a little bit too much, go a little bit deeper, second time through the order, that's when he really starts to struggle. But today, he comes out and he sets the table to turn it over to Cutter Crawford, and he was phenomenal in this game as well. And we all know what Schreiber's been doing. It's pretty much what Schreiber's been doing all season long is and now we've seen it with Cora. This is now his guy. Inherited runners, what is it now? 14 and 0 have scored. Coming into today, it was 13. Now it's up to 14 and 0 runs. He's given up 0 of those. I mean, that is absolutely phenomenal stuff where you've now find your guy that you feel comfortable with getting you out of jams, and he's been doing it for more than a month now. This guy had no proven track record whatsoever, and he's been a revelation for this team. If you really think about it, where are the Red Sox right now? In particular, where is this bullpen where... We referenced all the numbers on the pregame show. The bullpen numbers are not good. They have the highest hard hit rate in all of Major League Baseball. It's just not been a good group back there. Where are they without this guy? This is Cora right now, his most trusted reliever. There's no arguing to the contrary. I guess to some extent when Garrett Whitlock comes back, obviously he'll be really trusted. But big time stuff today from both Crawford, Davis, and I should say all three of those guys. 617-779-793-7 the number. Brian Barrett taking you up until 6. We'll hear from the manager, Alex Cora, in just a little bit today after a big win for his team as they take the opening game of this three-game set. If you want to weigh in on Cutter Crawford's performance, you certainly can. The performance of John Schreiber, once again, and the fact that we are going to see, in all likelihood, Brian Bayo starting a game on Wednesday night. All that on the table at 617-779-7937. The one underrated part about this run for the Red Sox this season, the turnaround, is the fact that they do have something now, even though we can all point to the fact they need to add another arm to that bullpen, preferably somebody from the right side. The big thing to me right now is the fact that they actually, for the first time in a couple of years, and Bloom deserves credit for this, they have organizational depth as it pertains to the starting pitching. Josh Winkowski has come up, and he's been absolutely great for this team. They should have won that game the other night against the Chicago Cubs. It's just the offense generated nothing. I mean, the only thing Winkowski did wrong in that game is threw the ball away. So Winkowski's been really good. And then you'll get to see Bayo in the coming days here. And think about where this team is at right now if it's not for Josh Winkowski. I mentioned Schreiber, what Schreiber's been able to provide for this team. But think about Josh Winkowski. He's been massive for this team with all the injuries that they've had to the starting rotation when you're talking about Chris Sale not being ready to go to begin the season because of the injury. Paxton off the Tommy John. And now the recent spell of injuries. Avaldi's been out for a while now. You start to think about the fact that Whitlock was in the rotation. He went on the injured list. And now most recently, Rich Hill with the sprain of the MCL. And of course, Michael Walker dealing with a dead arm. So they really needed that bolt of energy, that injection of youth, if you will, into the pitching staff. And Josh Winkowski has handled that tremendously well since coming up from the AAA level. And you got to give some of the guys down there at the minor league level credit that are getting these guys ready to pitch in the big league. So Bayo on Wednesday night is certainly going to have a big-time opportunity. And here's the thing. This is what I said about Josh Winkowski when he came up. The first time we knew that he was going back down. So I felt that was a difficult spot for Winkowski because 
You know you're going back down to Worcester the next day. So it's kind of like a weird situation, right? But the next time he came up after the injuries, he had an opportunity to make sure he was not going to get sent down because they needed a starter going forward. And because he pitched so well and he continues to pitch so well, he's in the rotation for the foreseeable future. Brian Bayo has that same opportunity coming his way on Wednesday night. If he goes out there and he pitches an absolute gem for the Sox, I cannot imagine that they're going to think about sending that kid down considering who he is and the pedigree of the player. You don't bring up the number one pitching prospect in your organization for a spot spot start, do you? No, you let him go. And the urgency that this team is displaying, they need him. They need him right now because of the fact they're dealing with all of these injuries. Now, the good news is Sale is going to pitch on Thursday in Worcester, and then he's going to be up back here next week. And that's the hope for this team. They get sailed back with the big club next week. And then you kind of feel like, all right, maybe this stuff is kind of stabilizing itself out from a rotation and from a bullpen perspective. But I still don't believe that that should stop and prohibit Bloom from going out there on the open market and picking up, rather, additional weaponry and additional artillery, if you will, for Alex Cora and that bullpen. Because you can never have enough arms out there. You can't. You just need more arms. You need to get outs late in games. And I would say that right now, there's nobody that you can guarantee me outside of Whitlock and Schreiber and Houck that you can depend on. And Taylor has not been great as he's rehabbing, and we don't know when he's going to come back. I just feel like they're one arm, at least one arm short out there. All right, before we go any further, let's hear from the manager, Alex Cora. Yeah, I mean, uh, great job by the pitching department. You know, um, starting with AD, he had good stuff. He hasn't pitched in a while. Uh, he's been healthy. I know a lot of people have asked if, if he's been hurt. It's just kind of like just the games have dictated, you know, to stay away from him. And, and we were able to do this because of the other guys, right? So uh, he did an amazing job for two. Cutter, you know, um, he makes all his pitches. It was it was impressive. Good breaking ball, good cutter, good changeup, and the fastball played. And uh, he was under control until the last hitter. It was it was really good to see. And then John. Uh, you know, we were debating how, how we're going to do this with uh, with Tanner and John. Uh, if they both pitched today, they were going to be down for, for tomorrow. So we just decided to go with John in that situation, finish it, and we got Tanner for, for, for tomorrow's game. Will Kevin get his stat now since he's Nah, I mean, we'll make decisions when we have to, yeah. Yeah, I mean, good swing. Yesterday, he hit the ball the other way, the fly ball right in Wrigley. Uh, that's a good sign. Uh, and then, you know, he didn't miss that one. And it was a big one for us. Uh, you know, that's a tough team. And um, if you look back at the series we played down there, um, we pitched with them, right? Uh, I think they didn't have a hit for, for an extended period of time. I was watching at home with COVID. Uh, I wasn't there, but... Uh, you know, we, we did a good job early on in the season with them. Um, um, you know, they hit the ball out of ballpark a few times, and that was it. We lost two out of three, but um, I think it was a, a good competitive series, and uh, today was a good baseball game. Yeah, like I said, good swing there. Uh, and, you know, to hit the ball in the air to right field here uh, is different than early in the season, so um, hopefully that's the beginning of something good for him. I think there have been 10 games where you've had to plug in a starter for an injury, and you've gone 6-4 and four in those games. Yeah. What, what does that say about the depth and your ability to kind of withstand some of the injuries? Yeah, I mean, um, it, it's been fun to watch. Uh, and, and like I always said, uh, you know, Abby and the crew down there with Chad and uh, Jose and, and Getty, uh, you know, the pitching department, uh, I've done an amazing job in playing development. And... Uh, and we feel comfortable doing this. Uh, that's why we made decisions in a bullpen, because we feel stuff-wise these kids are really good. And little by little, you know, you can see them uh, gaining confidence whenever they come up here. Uh, Seabold did a good job yesterday. He threw the ball well. Cutter uh, was amazing today. Uh, let's see what happens on Wednesday. But uh, it's been it's been fun to watch. It's, it's a lot different than in previous years. Uh, you know. I do believe we won a World Series in 18 because of Hector and, and BJ, right? What they did for us in 19, we ran short of it. And uh, last year we were healthy. 
this year. It is what it is, but these kids uh, have been really solid. And, you know, I just tip my hat to player development and what they do. You know, with Bushy and Walk and Tech, uh, it's been fun to watch. And obviously, you know, Christian was amazing tonight. What did Crawford do better than the Cardinals start? I do believe, you know, you see the 75% strike rate, right? And that's why he does. That's why he does. And it's good stuff. Good stuff in the zone. And that's a... Uh, it's a good hitting team, you know. Uh, they got some veterans, some guys that are aggressive, others that they control the strike zone. But um, you know, um, it was his it was his, his afternoon. What did you think of the offense and how Trevor brought it alive with the home run? Yeah, we did a good job uh, finishing the game. Um, you know, obviously, you know, putting the ball in play in certain situations, uh, running hard to first base, uh, paid off for us, and um, you know, it was. It was only four, right? But uh, I think we, we kept fighting with them. Uh, we kept putting good at-bats, and uh, at the end, you know, we got four and then won the game. All right, so a couple of things to take away from what Alex Gore said there. The first one that pops out to me, and i got to give Bradford credit for this, Rob Bradford, because he mentioned this the other day. He said that Cora always talks about Velasquez and Brian Johnson from the 18 team filling in spot starts, et cetera. But this is huge. I mean, you cannot underestimate what Austin Davis and Cutter Crawford did for this team today, especially Cutter Crawford, because he gave you the five and the third. Even if he wasn't the starter, he was the bulk guy. But pretty much for the sake of argument, he was the starter because he gave you the most innings, so to speak. But this is important when you're dealing with injuries. You can't have this team just completely fall apart. And Cutter Crawford deserves a lot of credit. He did it against Seattle as well. As I said earlier, I was more impressed with this outing than the one against Seattle. But it's very important that he gave you these two. One was technically a start and this one was as a bulk guy. I mean, this is, these are massive wins for the Red Sox that you win these games when your starting rotation is really banged up right now. When we're talking about Avaldi, Hill, Paxton, not back, Sale dealing with an injury, and now Waka dealing with this arm situation. So it is massive from the perspective of Cutter Crawford. Uh, the other thing he mentioned with Story, I mean, this has got to keep happening. So Story hits the home run today, and he hits it out to the right center field. But this has got to keep going for Story, right? I mean, because here's the thing. Story, we all know how great he is defensively. And Cora has mentioned it before that he believes he's the best defensive second baseman in Major League Baseball. He's got a really good argument. The guy's got seven defensive runs saved, tied for the most in Major League Baseball. He certainly has an argument when it comes to that. And if you watch him play, you know he's a phenomenal defensive player. But the thing about Trevor Story is he's not Jackie Bradley Jr., right? Trevor Story has been an elite offensive player throughout his career. And they need to get this guy hitting the ball. They need production from him on the offensive side of things. And if you look at Story... Entering today from the 27th of May until yesterday, July 3rd, 134 plate appearances, 207, 276, 339, 615, and a 31.3% strikeout rate. That's just not nearly good enough. So hopefully this is the sign that Trevor's story is going to start to get it going again because we do know he can tend to be a streaky hitter, and he's been that way throughout his major league career, and we saw it earlier this season. You know it's in him that Trevor's story can get red hot. We saw it. What, in that run that he had in the month of May from essentially the 10th until the 26th, where he had 68 plate appearances, he slugged 776, 1144 OPS during that stretch. Nine of his home runs came during that stretch. He barreled up 10 balls, and he was hitting rockets all over the place, 45.2% hard hit rate. So we know it's in him to get back to this level, and it just feels like this would be the perfect time for a story to get going because of the gauntlet that is this American League East stretch here. Because if you look at story in terms of against the division, he has not been good entering today. 178, 315 on base percentage, just a 301 slugging percentage and a 616 OPS. But we know that he is one of the really good players in Major League Baseball that just has had sort of a down season. He had the one stretch, but other than that, from an offensive perspective, he's been great defensively. He's had a little bit of a down season without question. They need to get this guy going, and hopefully today he had the infield hit, and then, of course, he had the home run. He had another ball hard out to left field. Hopefully this is what gets Trevor's story going because remember how good the Red Sox offense was in that stretch when he was essentially Babe Ruth for a couple of weeks. When he's going, this offense goes to a totally different level, so to speak, and hopefully this was the start of it today. All right, 617-779-7937, the number. Brian Barrett with you up until 6 o'clock. So if you do want to react to anything the manager said, you certainly can. The outing from Cutter Crawford, that's on the table as well. How excited are you about Brian Bayo about to make his major league debut, it would appear, 
on Wednesday. I also want to get to something that happened over the weekend that isn't getting enough attention. We'll address that next year on EEI. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. This is Red Sox Review on WEEI. All right, welcome back. Brian Barrett with you. We're taking you up until 6 o'clock, 617-779-7937, the number. If you want to weigh in on Cutter Crawford's performance today, Brian Bayo, it appears he's making his debut on Wednesday for the Major League team, the number one pitching prospect in the Red Sox organization. All that on the table at 617-779-7937. And as always, when I do these shows, if you do want to weigh in on what the Red Sox need to do with the trading deadline, that's on the table as well. So a big thing today that has developed over the past few days, I should say, is the bat of Christian Arroyo because Arroyo this season coming into today was hitting just 139 against lefties. And this is a guy we know absolutely crushes lefties. If you go back to what he did last season, he had 329 against lefties with an 885 OPS. And the reason I reference that, it's important to have a guy coming off the bench that can do that. So late in games, when you get deeper into the season and when you get into the postseason, that type of player is very valuable. And what we saw from, the, from Arroyo the past couple of days... It's a very good sign because he's hitting the crap out of the ball right now. He has now four hits in the past two games. The two today, both off the bat over 100 miles an hour. So we know he can make that contact. But I think the biggest thing with Arroyo that we've seen over the past few days is just he's more patient at the plate. So if you look at on the season, he has just a 5.4% walk rate, which is 282nd out of the 350 hitters that have had at least 100 plate appearances. And Cora has talked about this before with Arroyo, just being a little bit more patient because we know he's capable of getting to a lot of pitches. It's just sometimes it feels like he's overeager. If you go back to that Blue Jays game earlier this week, now, yeah, late in the game, he swung at a pitch that he lined out. But the at-bat prior where he comes up, he swings at the first pitch, which is a slider going away from the strike zone, and he pops it up weakly to first base. So that's not a productive at-bat whatsoever. But what we've seen with Arroyo over the past couple of days, he took two walks yesterday. It feels like he's being more patient at the plate, which is allowing him to be in control of some of these counts, and he's been much more productive. And the fact that, okay, maybe this allows you going forward, because what we saw yesterday, obviously, Bogarts goes down with the laceration to his thigh. But also it feels like at times this season, Xander Bogarts has been a little bit banged up. And I referenced the numbers earlier today on the pregame show that ever since Bogarts hit that home run on June 3rd, obviously has, hasn't had a home run since then, and he's slugging 380. So maybe getting Xander Bogarts a couple more days off from time to time would actually behoove the Red Sox to keep him fresher. Cora does a really good job getting these guys days off when they need him, but maybe getting Arroyo a little bit more seasoning and a little bit more playing time could help this team out in the long run because he's going to be ready to go in a pinch when you need him in the postseason. And also, he's a pretty damn good player that obviously doesn't have a major role to steam because there's not a lot of room, right? When you're talking about, you have Bogarts playing short, you have Trevor Story that plays second, and you have, of course, Rafael Devers that plays third. So there's really not a lot of time or there's not really not a lot of places. I know earlier in the season, of course, 
Remember during spring training, he was getting reps in the outfield. So it really does feel like in some sense, they're trying to develop Christian Arroyo into sort of this super utility guy. And quite frankly, I believe he's good enough to fulfill that role. So I was encouraged what we've seen the past couple of days from Christian Arroyo. The other thing that I would say that is encouraging with this Red Sox team, and we referenced him briefly earlier, but it's just Josh Winkowski continues to be really good for this team. And it's not something that we should be surprised about or anything along those lines, but I don't think anybody thought Winkowski would be this good when he came up. Like people thought, all right, yeah, he's going to be somebody that can be in your rotation. And I believed that, but did anybody think he was going to be this good? I mean, he's been absolutely tremendous since he got the call back up, which when he came back up, that was what, the 15th of June. And when you look at it from that perspective, that's when he actually had the rope to say, all right, hey, you're going to be up here for a while. This isn't one of those things where we're sending you back down like the Orioles start. And I'm not blaming the Red Sox for that. They had to do it. They were in a situation there where he just needed to come up and make a spot start. And then they were going to send it back down. And obviously, I felt like in that particular start, I don't want to say he was overwhelmed. I just felt like he was anxious, right? Because that was really his first opportunity to pitch at the big league level, knowing he was going to go back down the next day. And I felt the stuff was fine in that game. It was just the location was not there, which is very unlike Josh Winkowski, who does have really good command. But if you look at it now, since he came up on the 15th, if you take that sample size, his ground ball rate is 59.2%. So if you do that out against the rest of the starting pitchers, qualified starters during that stretch, that ranks seventh during that stretch out of 83 qualified pitchers. So he's got a game plan where he's getting you to hit the ball on the ground and he's going out there and he's really executing. It seems like he's getting better from a start to start perspective. You look at his launch angle, it's 2.1 degrees. That's six during that stretch. And basically that just means like anything under 10 degrees, that's going to be a ground ball. So this is why he's being really successful is he's getting everything to get topped. He came into that start the other day, or I should say after that start the other day, Guys, his batted balls, they were getting topped 47% of the time. And the only qualified pitcher in the sport from a starting perspective that's over that is Framber Valdez. And Valdez is somebody that we know was really effective against the Red Sox in the postseason. That guy's a really good pitcher because he gets a ton of ground balls. And if you look at what we've seen from Josh Winkowski, he's got a game plan. He goes out there, he gets you to get on top of the ball, and he gets easy outs. And we saw it the other day when he needed a double play, he was able to get that double play to be spin. The only mistake he made the other day in that game was his own throw fielding his position. Other than that, the guy's been tremendous. All right, 617-779-7937, the number. Let's get to Andrew in Marlboro. What's up, Andrew? Hey, Brian. Happy fourth. Thanks for taking my call. You too, man. Um... I just I was just uh, pleased with the way Story hit the ball today. Uh, it says there's there's 13th home run on a 92 mile hour changeup. Didn't really move. What's um, that? Another hit, hard hit ball to left. Um, Story had his 13th home run on a 92 yeah. mile hour changeup. Didn't really move. Another hard hit ball to left. Hopefully that gets him going, and the offense uh, will also get a boost. And then I was just pleased with uh, Cutter Crawford uh, how he stepped up today help this rotation uh and i think his stuff was a lot better just because he attacked hitters early in the count yeah and then um one question and i'll let you go um just about james paxton uh like what's what's the status with him and is he coming back in the bullpen or the rotation well i think it's not going to be until next month it would appear like chris sales going to be back probably next week after he makes unless something crazy happens knock on wood that it doesn't happen but chris sales probably going to be back next week after he makes this start in Worcester, and then he'll be back with the big club next week. As for Paxton, obviously, he's coming back from the TJ. I think at some point next month, maybe. And to answer your question about bullpen or rotation, they may try to get whatever they can out of the guy at that point in the season. So, I mean, I would assume they want him to be at least a, at least a bulk guy or a starter, but we still don't know exactly, still not clear on when that exactly is going to be. All right, appreciate the call, man. You can grab his line if you'd like at 617-779. 7937. Yeah, the the other thing too about Story is there was something weird going on with Fleming because now that pitch that Story homered off is listed as a sinker, but during the game he was trying to throw a changeup and it was way off. Like his changeup, the velocity on his changeup, which obviously you don't want this to happen, was like up 8 miles an hour. So I don't know if they had an issue with the tracking in terms of what he was actually throwing, but Early on in that game, it felt like he was trying to throw change-ups when he came in, of course, after Jalen Beeks. It felt like he was th- trying to throw change-ups, and it wasn't working because it was 
playing a lot harder than it ordinarily does. He did not have the smoothest outing, and he didn't give up a ton of runs or anything along those lines, but it did feel like in that game he was kind of sort of playing with fire. Now, one other thing I wanted to mention just on a brief, I don't want to say negative side, but a brief concern with this team right now is that offense. So today, yeah, they generate the four runs. Story hits the home run, but you did get a couple of breaks in there. I mean, I don't know what's going on with the Rays. That was some absolutely atrocious defense from Paredes there at second base. That guy was absolutely atrocious. You also had the play on the mound from Fleming himself that was not good. So we've seen a lot of bad defense over the past couple of days from the Cubs and from the Tampa Bay Rays. I mean, the Cubs were atrocious yesterday. But if you do look at this offense, it has been off a little bit during this recent stretch where you go from the Toronto series to the Cubs series. And the Red Sox during that stretch really did not hit the ball well, and they didn't really hit the ball for power, just a 667 OPS over that six-game stretch, which during that stretch, that was 22nd in Major League Baseball, which it's not who the Red Sox are. And today it felt like, all right, you got some better at-bats. Arroyo looked really good. Story, of course, that's the big development today because they got to find a way to get that guy going. But other than that, it didn't really feel like there was a... Now, Vasquez had a big hit. Verdugo extends his hitting streak. He had that little infield hit as well. By the way, the Red Sox got some friendly scoring today, didn't they? On the Devers infield single and the Verdugo infield single. But nonetheless, getting back to my original point, you would like to see an offensive outburst for this team because we really haven't seen it in the past, couple, in the past week or so. 617-779-7937, the number. Let's get to Wally, who's in Fall River. Hey, Wally. What's up? A good win today, Brian. We got a tough stretch again. Coming up, these next 14 games, and we got Toronto, I think, after the all-stop break. But these games mean a lot. I mean, Clara knows it. Hein Blue knows it. But uh, it's good with all these injuries popping up with the starting rotation. You're giving these guys uh, from Worcester a chance. You got nothing to lose. It ain't cost. You know, you don't have to trade for a starter. But uh, you look at JD. He still looks a little lost, like he's fishing. Yeah. But yep. you got to get, you know, you got to get Starry going. Uh, Vasquez is hitting good. Uh, Verdugo's picked up the slack. But, uh, you know, this, this stretch right ahead means a lot. Yeah. These 14 games or 17, you don't want to go 5-12. and 12. You know, you have to uh, – we're in a division. We, we can, you know, create some distance between these, you know, Toronto, Tampa Bay. I don't think anybody's going to catch the Yankees. So do you? No, no chance. I mean, they're just rolling right now. I don't see it, Wally. But you know what? I'm not overly concerned about that because, you know, maybe if this was years ago, I would be. But my whole philosophy with that, Wally, and I appreciate the call, my friend. His line's open if you want to grab it at 617-779-7937. My whole thing with that is just get in the tournament. I believe that you have the best tactician in the sport in Alex Gore. We saw him pants the guy that was in the opposite dugout today, Kevin Cash, in the postseason. Remember what Gore did to that guy last year? It was, it was flat out embarrassing if you're Kevin Cash. Cora was setting that guy up with traps, and he took him every time. He basically was putting in lefties to get Meadows out of the game so Cora could put his righties from the bullpen in late in the game. And every time he did it, Cash fell for it. I mean, Cora had that guy on a straight. He's like a puppet, Kevin Cash was in that particular series. So from that perspective, I just want this team to get in. And the other thing about all these issues that this team has as it pertains to the bullpen and the reason I'm advocating for them to go out and get another guy from the right side, whether it be Daniel Bard, whether it be David Bednar, whether it be a Scott Barlow, whether it be David Robertson's going to be the easiest guy to get because he's 35. He's in the final year of his contract. We saw him against the Cubs. That guy still has great stuff. He finally feels like it appears he's healthy coming back from TJ. He's a couple of years removed, but he hadn't been the same guy. Good curveball, good slider, good cutter, and the velocity on the cutter is way up. So that's a guy that's not going to cost you a whole lot. And we should not dismiss this as it pertains to Bloom. And he cannot dismiss this. Last year, whether or not and I'm going to continue to harp on this. Whether or not he was ultimately right, and Schwarber was the best bat that moved, no doubt about that. I love that move at the time. It was a totally different wrinkle to this offense because the Red Sox last year had nobody that walked until Schwarber came here. And Schwarber had, and Core has referenced this, Schwarber sort of had this impact on the rest of the lineup where more guys started to walk. It was really remarkable to see, and Core even referenced it, right? And having him hit in front of a guy like Devers was just remarkable last year, or hitting in front of Xander Bogarts, depending on how, remember, Core flipped the lineup with him and Kike when they got into the postseason, but he was just a great guy to have in the lineup in terms of his ability to draw walks. But getting back to my original point there is Schwarber was great, but remember, there was a three-week period that you were waiting for him because he was coming back from an injury. 
And when Hansel Robles, who now Hansel Robles has gone back to the guy that was in Minnesota last year, that just he's a non-entity. You can't pitch the guy. Never want to see that guy on the mound again, especially in a high leverage situation because you can't trust him. The other day, he walks the nine hitter who's hitting 176, and then he throws a cement mixer slider right down the middle for a home run to the leadoff hitter. And Cora said after the game, it's playing like a cutter. It's not even a slider right now. The thing legitimately had zero inches of horizontal break. That's what he was throwing in a game that the Red Sox ultimately needed to win. They blew that 4 nothing lead, and they lost. But with Robles this year, obviously not the same guy. But Robles was really good for this team last year. Now, I'm not telling you that he's going to be that guy again. He's not good. I never want to see that guy on the mound. He's not nearly good enough to be pitching for this team right now. But my point is, maybe ultimately Heimblum got it right because Robles worked and Schwarber was great. But there was that three-week time period where the Red Sox, from a team perspective, were pissed off. They were mad. They were mad that it, the perception they had is that the guy running the organization didn't do nearly enough. That's the perception they had. And whether that's right or wrong for the players to think that way, that's what happened. And you know what happened right after the trading deadline? They lost four consecutive games, and they lost seven of eight games. That's what happened after the trading deadline. So you have to factor in, and I know we can look at all the spreadsheets and go through all the different stuff about everything that these guys do. You have to factor that human element into the trading deadline. You cannot do that again with this team. And look, they're going to get a bolt and a, and a huge impact in terms of getting Bayo up. Now, if he stinks, I mean, that's going to be deflating for the team. But you're not going to write the guy off after one start. But this is the number one pitching prospect in your organization. The team's dealing with injuries to Waka and Hill. And they said this is probably not the exact time they want to bring Bayo up. But they know right now this team is in a massive stretch and their best option is to bring up the 23-year-old kid that has been absolutely dominant at both the AA level and the AAA level. In fact, you look at his numbers, they're stupid. The guy's strikeout rate is north of 34%. And look, it's not the same competition, but there's only one pitcher over 35% at the major league level as a starter, and that's Shane McClanahan, who's absolutely filthy for Tampa. And if it wasn't for Dusty Baker managing the All-Star game, he'd probably start instead of Justin Verlander. But that's how good this kid's stuff is. It's absolutely ridiculous. So that's going to give you a little bit of jolt of energy if he throws the ball well on Wednesday. But these guys, the offense is World Series caliber. Now, they have not played that way lately, but they're World Series caliber. The starting pitching has been really good for this team. The one glaring issue that you have, your bullpen's not nearly good enough. It is not World Series caliber. In fact, I feel horrible for the manager because he has been equipped with a super soaker for a gunfight. What you need to do is send a clear, definitive message to the team that you're all in, and you're going for it this year. And you better be, because Bogarts is opting out after the season. JD's a free agent. Vasquez, who all of a sudden is hitting the crap out of the ball. He's on this hitting streak the past, what, 10 games? He's hitting north of 450. I mean, the guy's been red hot, right? So Vasquez is now like somebody you may have to consider keeping around. Kike Hernandez, who's injured, he's a free agent after the season. Nathan Evaldi, as we mentioned, he's a free agent after the season. What's stopping you for going for it now? You need to go for it now. Go out there and get yourself an arm from the right side. Yeah, you know what you have with Hulk. Whitlock's coming back, and Schreiber's an absolute stud. I mean, this guy is absolutely incredible for this team. But what you need right now, one more arm out there. Send the message to the clubhouse, and quite frankly, give the manager enough to work with. 617-779-7937, the number. Brian Barrett with you up until 6 o'clock. So if you want to weigh in, on the outing from Crawford, that's on the table. It can't be underrated because it's so important when you lose your starters to have this guy step up and give you this type of effort. It's a big win. And I know you could say, oh, Brian, it's the middle of July. It's not that big. Well, it's an important win. When the guy that was supposed to be starting, Michael Walker, has been one of your best pitchers, he's not available. And Cutter Crawford has been bad so far this season. He comes up, he gives you this type of start. It's an important win. But also on the table, Brian Bayo makes his debut on Wednesday if you want to weigh in on that. But I do want to get to the JD thing. Because now this JD situation, it's becoming a little concerning. I'll get to it next here on EI. Everything Boston Red Sox. This is Red Sox Review. The slider is not good right now. It's, 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 it's kind of like a, a short cutter, right? <laughs> That's Alex Gore on Hansel Robles' cutter. <laughs> on his slider, excuse me. He said it's playing like a short cutter. <laughs> That's what I love about Corey. He just doesn't care. He says what's ever on his mind after the game. Like today, he said after the game, good day for the pitching department. After that game against the Cubs the other night, he said, yeah, that was not a good <laughs> was not a good game for the pitching department. Oh, my God, Robles. I cannot watch that guy pitch at a baseball game ever again. 
I, all he does is walk people and give up rockets. I mean, almost half of the time he gives up a batted ball. In fact, half the time at 50%, it's going to be north of 95 miles an hour off the bat from an exit velocity perspective. Absolutely atrocious. I, you just cannot have that guy coming out in big spots anymore. And like I said, I don't blame Cora. In that game the other day, he didn't have guys to go to. But I did want to circle back to the JD situation that Wally brought up, that JD's in a funk. And JD, and maybe I'm off base on this, but this is just my observation. I can't remember a guy of JD Martinez's stature where he's legitimately one of the best hitters in the sport. I don't think that's unfair to say. He's been basically one of the best sluggers since he came here in 2018. And even going back to his final season in Detroit when he was traded over to Arizona, he's been one of the best players in the sport from an offensive perspective, of course. But when JD gets in a funk, it looks bad. Now, I'm hoping that hit he had there late in the game that did come off the bat over 100 miles an hour to right field, which is the typical JD swing. I'm hoping that sort of gets him going because he's just not making a lot of contact, period, right now, and he's not making any loud contact. So if you look at JD, since the start of the Cardinals series prior to today's game, 62 plate appearances, 143, 210 on base percentage, and here's the one where your ears may bleed. A 161 slugging percentage in his last 62 plate appearances prior to, to, game, to today. The on base is at 210, slugging at 161. J.D. Martinez, your three hitter with a 370 OPS during that stretch. And during that stretch, he had just one extra base hit. He was eight for 56. Now, of course, he had a hit today, so hopefully that gets him going. But one of the things I referenced the contact, he's just not making good contact. So if you look at J.D., prior to that stretch against the Cardinals, the beginning of the season until then, 161 batted balls and 22 were barreled up. That's 13.7%, 17th of 158 hitters. That means he's making a lot of good contact. Last 40 batted balls prior to today, two barrels, 5%. So he's not barreling up anything. Think about that difference, 5% to compared to 13.7%. The thing about Martinez, he's just going to have to find a way to get himself out of this funk. And I trust him to do it because we've seen this before with JD where he'll look awful for a while, then he'll get it together with the exception of being 2020. He never figured it out. But that was a weird situation that actually in the long run, the Red Sox benefited from because remember in 2020, because of everything with COVID, you couldn't go back there and watch the video, right? Like JD used to always go back in the clubhouse and watch the video, but they didn't want people gathering around. So JD couldn't go back there and watch his video. So he had no video for the whole season. And remember the whole season is two months and he kept complaining about it publicly. He kept oh, saying bad, like a bad day for, for the pitching department. Yeah, there you go. He kept saying that it was a situation that was throwing him off and he was mad. He talked about it publicly on multiple occasions. And that the, that's the year that Cora wasn't here. So you had, you know, Ron Renicky that was pretty much a zombie running the team. The guy was clueless, and he didn't really say anything. He didn't put an end to it. Like, if Cora's here, he would have found a way to stop that from continuing to go on. But the point being, J.D. never figured it out that year because he didn't have the video. Any other time J.D. got in a slump, he sort of figured this crap out. He's been a very good postseason hitter throughout his career, if you look at it from a numbers perspective. So I trust he's going to figure it out. It's just one of those things where it's come at a very inopportune time, and maybe that hit to right field gets him going because— Right now, the way that Bogarts is swinging the bat and having no power whatsoever since that home run, not hitting for any power whatsoever, and that was way back on June 3rd, slugging 380 since then, you're going to need JD and Story. So if you're going to look at two real positives from this game today, obviously the silver lining is Cutter Crawford was just absolutely, not even a silver lining, you won the game, but Cutter Crawford's spot start was outstanding. Davis looked better. Schreiber continues to be a beast. And good idea by Cora. He mentioned this after the game that only one of those guys is going to be available tomorrow in terms of Hauk or Schreiber. So the reason I say that is pretty much, so if you pitched Hauk today, he wasn't going to pitch either one of them tomorrow. So I guess I phrased that poorly. So the reason he leaves Schreiber in for the ninth today is so he has Hauk for tomorrow because he wasn't going to pitch either one of those guys tomorrow. So it was really smart to keep Schreiber out there. That way, at least you have one of your premium relievers, so to speak, at the end of the at the end of the game tomorrow or whenever you need Hulk in the ball game tomorrow. Maybe Hulk gives you two innings, even though he's the closer now. Maybe he gives you multiple innings in that particular situation, which is obviously huge for that team. So that's obviously big getting those guys going, but a good swing from Story who hit it out to right field and J.D. Martinez with a hit. The Arroyo thing is a great development, 
But more important for this team is we know Story's going to be in the lineup every day, obviously. He's the second baseman making $140 million. He's got to produce. There's no way around it. I can applaud his defense all the time. Best defensive second baseman in the sport, all that crap. This guy has got to produce. And I hope today is the start of something for him. And Rafi's in a little bit of a funk as well. Now, he got a couple of cheap hits the past couple of days. But I don't worry about Devers at his offense. I really don't. Because he really has not had a downturn at any point this season outside of like a five-game span. I expect Devers to hit the crap out of the ball. But to me, the two most important guys in this 17-game stretch, J.D. and Trevor Story. Those are the guys that you need to get going. Because Verdugo is red hot. Christian Vasquez is red hot. Franchi Cordero continues to swing the bat well. One of the great stories of the season for your Red Sox. He has been tremendous this season. Everything that guy hits is a rocket. But the two guys in the middle of the lineup, I guess three and six technically, those guys are both making a lot of money. They both have proven track records. And if this team is going to go on this run, you're not going to continue to get these type of outings from Cutter Crawford. This AL East battle, you're going to have to start to win some of these games in terms of 8-7, 7-5. The way you do that, J.D. Martinez and Trevor Story start to hit. And hopefully, hopefully, this gets us going. But by the way, Brian Bale, that's what you need to know. Wednesday, if you're not watching the game Wednesday, I don't know what to tell you. You got a guy coming up that's got absolute filth, absolutely filthy stuff coming up on Wednesday. If you're not watching this game on Wednesday, I'm going to tell you what you are. You're not a fan. You're not a fan of this team if you're not watching on Wednesday. You have got to watch this game. Oh, I can't wait. Winkowski's up here. Then you're getting Bayo up here. I mean, this is unbelievable. The kids are taking over, man. One thing you got to give High and Bloom credit for. The kids are taking over. All right, thanks to Jackson and thanks to Justin for producing. I'll be back with you tomorrow after the game and Coop here as well. Have a great night, everybody. Be safe and be well. W-E-E-I. W-E-E-I. New England Sports Original. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Listen to every MLB game live. In the deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.